I'm sorry, but last week I lied to you. We won't be doing Spartacus. That will be next week. So put that high alcohol content, sweet white wine aside for our Gladiator movie special. Instead, this week we'll be doing a guest spot on To Catch a Thief, the 1955 unrepresentative Alfred Hitchcock caper starring Grace Kelly and Cary Grant. There is a character who is outed as an unsophisticated redneck for drinking bourbon, which happens to be my favorite spirit. So we've got some Woodford Reserve this week. So pour yourself an expensive glass and prove to the world that some rednecks have money. It's time for episode 21 of Toasting the Classics, To Catch a Thief. take drastic measures here just to avoid having a video out there of me with no pants on i don't want to always have my pants on just to avoid that anyway welcome to toasting the classics we're doing things a little weird again this week uh, we got uh, jay schwag visiting again say hi hello. jay hello uh you're coming from oklahoma again yeah i'm actually yeah. actually i'm in the in the dc area right now oh cool Nice. So what are we doing this week? We've, we've actually done, this is our second episode with you as a guest. So we're actually in a rotation, like sort of a, uh, what do you call it when there's a, when there's another thing in parentheses within the thing, within the main thing in parentheses, but isn't there like a word for that in math? Like there's some, or is it just computer science thing? Uh, is that a, is that recursive or something like recursion that? Recursion or yeah. yeah some, this is like a recursion. Like, like that. We, have, we have our own our own uh, series here so, I know, so I know, you... yeah i know surprisingly little vocabulary about math like the like the, the math category <laughs> on jeopardy is like always my worst category because they're like do, do you know what i get you know, questions like... wrong about the law they ask questions oh, really? and it's like it's like in a way that i'm just like oh my god in four seconds i can't decipher what they're talking about here yeah like yeah yes i know when they say it i always know the answer but i have like a moment of being like oh, i'm not coming up with the right lay person term for this thing yeah, uh, yeah. So I've definitely had that experience before. Anyway, so you you chose a book last time, and this time, yes, uh, it goes it goes to me to choose a movie, and I wanted to do something Hitchcock, and I picked something that I haven't seen before, which is To Catch a Thief. The uh, do you know what year yeah. it's from? I do not. I was going to leave it up to you. I mean, it's 1955. It up, but... I'm leading. It's a leading question. Okay. I did. I did know what the answer was. Going to be. Okay, okay. That's one thing okay. that I do know as a lawyer is not to ask a question that you know the answer to. <laughs> So yeah, it's 1955, and it stars. Uh, do you know who's in it? Did you watch the movie? I I I'm guessing a thief is in it. Yes, and that's right. A thief catcher as well. So it's uh so actually I, I I read about this that Cary Grant previously had retired from acting uh -huh. um, because he was actually mad at the way House House Un-American Activities Committee had treated Charlie Chaplin. Uh -huh. Was it Charlie? So he yeah, was that what it from was? acting? He was just, I think so. I saw, yeah, I saw something about Charlie. And Chaplin, so he was, but I, I didn't know it was uh, House Un-American Activities went after Charlie Chaplin. I, that's weird. I thought Charlie wasn't Charlie Chaplin like almost on the other side from the communists. Wasn't he like, or am I just thinking of when he was the great dictator? So I'm actually thinking he was <laughs> I think a Nazi. Yeah, because of that. So and the mustache that's, and the mustache too and so, the Hitler mustache yeah, that he walked yeah. around with. Yeah. Um, that's unfortunate it's unfortunate for that uh, facial hairstyle but uh, it really could have just been the charlie chaplin forever pretty easily it's definitely a bad facial hairstyle to choose yeah we were when michael jordan tried to revive it i remember that that was very it, weird there was like was a haynes it? commercial and he had like a little tiny and yeah. it's like yeah probably michael jordan's safe from being accused of being a nazi i think we can all agree but it's just kind of weird but, yeah <laughs> You know, in a weird way, it might be kind of a power move, right? He shows up for the commercial, the Haynes commercial. Right. And, you know, he's like, he's like, nobody's going to say anything. Name. He's like, say something. Say something about my Hitler mustache. <laughs> Go for it. Like, like, I can't wait to fire some PA when he mentions yes, he's exactly. like, uh, Mr. Jordan, are you, you sure you want to go into the commercial like this? <laughs> What's your uh, relationship with Hitchcock in general? Like, do you, do you, have you seen a whole bunch of his movies or? I, I've seen I've seen a lot of Hitchcock movies, and he's so he's made North by Northwest and Dial M for Murder. Okay, uh, I've never seen I've, that. Oh, really? That's so. Yeah. Uh, so these the ones I the reason I selected these I think these are two of the just the most perfect movies ever made. Like North by I Northwest think, and Dial M for Murder. Yeah, I think okay. they're both just absolutely perfect. Um, and actually, the uh, insurance agent from 
from To Catch a Thief is is uh, a police inspector and dial in for murder. Okay. He's fantastic in that. Too. What's his name? Houston? You know why I wanted to watch a Hitchcock movie is because my son, we do this thing where we learn about like film history sometimes. And he was like really interested in Hitchcock because there's a Who Was Alfred Hitchcock book that he read. Oh, and so wow. he he actually went on the Podbean page for the podcast and, and suggested Hitchcock. So I was like, all right, I got to do that. So yeah, I tried to find something I hadn't seen. I, I don't remember Vertigo very well, but I have seen it. I saw North by Northwest. I've seen Psycho. Um, I always like Rear Window. That was one of my favorites. Oh, when I was yeah. A kid. Let me let me add that to my my to your top, your top one so those three those three are just yeah i forgot about rear window but yeah rear window i think those really are good i really like those that. are three just absolutely incredible i so i was thinking about this one and not to sort of skip i guess this would be sort of skipping all the way through the movie but like we said before we're sort of assuming people either have watched this or just want to kind of hear about it and not worried about spoilers but yeah. like after watching the whole movie i was thinking you know the the rooftop scene at the end right Yes. It's a little bit of, and there's a couple of scenes. So there's the rooftop scene, there's some chasing going on, and there's the bit where she's driving really fast around the curves. And that's about the only parts of the movies where there's a little bit of suspense. So actually, um, a, a pretty morbid fact is that's yeah, the actual well, You're that's ruining actual my road. best surprise. Oh, you're, ruining okay, my be- okay. you're ruining my biggest surprise, but... So that was so that that was my biggest surprise. I was watching that. I was, I was like, ooh, no, I was good. Ooh, I was, they got they have Grace Kelly driving really fast around the curves. Although it had nothing to do with her driving. Did you know how she died? No, it no. I thought, I, thought I, thought, it was... I thought she just went left eye and just was yeah. driving crazy and went off the cliff. She had a stroke while she oh, was wow. driving, and her daughter was in the car with her and oh, tried geez. to like and tried to like get control of the car back, but they went over a hundred and twenty foot cliff. The daughter actually survived. I've I've driven in that part of the world, and it's just, it's pretty intimidating those those cliffs and well, this, those roads. That's that's funny. I was reading. Um, I'm currently reading a Seabold book, uh, the German writer, and he actually died. He had a heart okay. attack while he was driving. Huh. So it was like one of these driving things, but a, another medical thing happening at the same time. Right? I, didn't know that. I didn't know that though. I thought it was. Yeah, like, I didn't know that either. I was yeah. reading about it, and I was I was surprised. So that's but my her, biggest. My biggest I, surprise was watching this movie and being like, oh my God, they have her driving on the road where she like where she died. Yeah. Or I don't know if it's the road. You're saying it's the road? It, it is the road, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So they would have filmed in the French Riviera and she lived in Monaco. Yeah. Yeah, that was my biggest surprise. You, you made me spoil it early, but usually we so, go Sorry the about end, that. I was, I was actually going to say <laughs> that, that that road was the same road where they, they had like a, a pretty nice drive through Roy Rogers. So I wasn't even talking about the fact that. Yeah. So what about, what about Cary Grant? Do you have other Cary Grants that you've seen? I was actually kind of having trouble remembering non Hitchcock. Well, no. Isn't he North they, by Northwest? Yeah. I was thinking non Hitchcock stuff though. With, with oh, Cary yeah. Grant. Cause I watched um, bringing up baby when I was a kid. Have you ever seen that one? No, I haven't. It's um. Is that with Steve Gutenberg and Tom Selleck where they have the baby? Is that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, and Cary uh, Grant. Cary Grant is ninety-five years old, still single. <laughs> <laughs> like, which speaking speaking of Cary Grant's age, is it not super gross the difference in age between him and Grace Kelly? It's a little. It's a little much. Like um, it's weird. Like she's plausibly still. She's the age where she's plausibly still living with her mother. Well, but I. Saw she's that. in her mid. She's in her mid twenties. But I mean. So Danielle does call her an older woman, when they're in the in right. the water, right? So right. presumably she's. I would say she's expected to be maybe early to mid thirties. The reason she's traveling around with her mom is just because like they're rich and kind of bored. What I'm saying about Danielle is that hmm. they definitely mentioned she's a teenager. Like they, yeah. they say she's a teen. I was like, whoa, she's supposed to, because she doesn't look like a teenager at all. She looks like 20 yeah. something also. So was this your first time watching the movie? So I think so. I think maybe I, it's possible I'd seen it like a long time ago or seen pieces of it or something like that. Um, well, you know what, this, this one's- But I remembered almost none of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't. I don't remember about the other Hitchcock movies I've seen. I think this one's old enough. Maybe we should do a little synopsis uh, of what yeah, happens in the absolutely. movie just to keep people up to date. So, do you want to you want to try it, or you want me to? Yeah, let me that? let me give it a shot. So, okay. uh, Cary Grant is like a uh, a retired or allegedly retired jewel thief living uh, on the French Riviera. Do you think we're supposed to be up in the air about whether he's retired, or are we just I, is he I just think, a reliable think... narrator that we're? I think, a, I think a little bit, but anyway, so, 
someone starts committing uh, uh, robberies in the manner that he did. Like with um, his MO, like his with exact his, With MO. his MO, yeah. Right. And, uh, and so then the people he all knows in like this restaurant and stuff get really mad at him because he fought with them in the resistance. They used to be part of his gang and mm. they were given parole because of helping in the French resistance. Um, right. And they got the Germans bombed their jail cell and that's how they got out to join the resistance. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So they mentioned I that. that. I thought that, I thought that was a pretty good backstory. I was like, it's... yeah, that's a good backstory. So Cary Grant decides that, so I guess he, he flees kind of partially with the help of um, Danielle, who's this uh, teenage girl, right. uh, the daughter of one of the members of the gang. I can't remember right. his name. Bertani. Okay. Um, I think the guy that owns a restaurant. He flees and, and the police try to arrest him. He manages to evade them. Um, but then the police, for a little act, bit. it's kind of an interesting device how he evades them for a little bit and then they catch up to him. Right. It's right. So it's sort of like, doesn't do anything for the plot, but you do get to yeah. see him sneaking around and being the guy that he is. So it sort of introduces the character. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I thought that it's like, well, we're 45 minutes in and just all of the, all of the conflict that was set up for that 45 minutes was just resolved off screen. He just shows yeah. up and he's like, Oh, it turns out the French have this thing where they let you go, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, well, I guess I could have skipped a minute, minute 48 and started this movie. Yeah. But so anyway, there's a lot so, of characterization. So, well, I think one thing about the movie, well, I'll get to this later, but um, so, okay. so uh, he decides that in order to clear his name <clears throat> and to kind of get his former gang to stop being mad at him, he needs to catch whoever the thief is. Hence, hence the title, I guess. You know, literally but, the title caught me by surprise. I was 10 minutes in and I was like, oh, to catch a thief, you need a thief, which I don't know what's that from. Do you know what that, where that line comes from? I was thinking it has oh. like a ring, like something I, that couldn't possibly be in the Bible. That would be a really weird sentence to be in the Bible, but it has that kind of, that kind of cadence to it, like something really old, but yeah. I don't know what it's from. So they probably took it from Chris Hansen's to catch a predator would be my thing. I mean, you know, I always wanted to do my guess. Bit. I always wanted to do a bit with that show where the predator shows up and like, and like <laughs> walks in in like the armor and stuff. I'm sure someone must have done that at some point with Chris I mean, Hansen you would think like, that's, that's a Key and Peele sketch, right? It's, I mean, they would have yeah, done it's that. Yeah, really, it's a quick sketch. Like there's yeah. got to be some kind of comic of that or something. But anyway, so so he sets out to try to catch to try to catch who, whoever's doing these robberies. And so he gets his insurance agent uh, friend he gets his insurance agent friend to give him lists of all the wealthy people in Monaco who have like the most, you know, assets that could possibly be stolen. And so in that way, he, uh, he ends up meeting um, Grace. What's Grace Kelly's character's name? I can't remember. I keep just thinking of her, of her as Grace Kelly. Yeah, I know. Me too. Throughout the movie. But Francis, um, okay, that's why I don't remember it. That's not a Frankie. He calls her Frankie, doesn't he? I think so. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So but, the, the the origin of to catch a thief, to take a thief, catch a thief is actually just like an old proverb, basically. It's all over the place. It sort of goes back to a classical Greece ep, classical Greek epigram. Okay. But it's it's sort of like one of those things that's just out there. What is really full, any specific? Is there, uh, is there a full maximum? Callimachus, now this is obviously translation from the Greek. It says being a thief myself, I recognize the tracks of a thief. Is the the first sort of saying like that but it's also in okay. comments upon cervantes and in thomas fuller's church history of britain so there's a whole bunch of references to it it's not okay. anything, not anything specific but yeah so anyway i'm being really long-winded with this so hopefully you'll cut on my entire synopsis and just refer people to the wikipedia yeah i'm actually just gonna i'm gonna what it's gonna sound like in the final version is i'm gonna say would you like to do the synopsis and it's just gonna be you saying no <laughs> so anyway i'll try to wrap it up quickly so he gets right. he gets sort of uh, caught up with grace kelly's character francis or frankie and her mom who are wealthy americans that are that are there in monaco right. and he kind of strikes up a romantic relationship with francis who yeah they've got a and, good and like, the, they've got a good sam and diane like hansel princess leia thing going on for the middle part of the movie that's i think i think it's one of the most fun parts of the movie There's yeah sort of yeah and it's it's very kind of you know one, one thing i watched the movie with some family and stuff and one thing that they commented on that i thought was really a good point is that you know we remember these old hollywood stars 
as you know, like being very photogenic and being, you know, very have like having like a magnetism, which which right. they do. Sure. But like their their timing, like Grace Kelly's. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Is so good. She's yeah, the so rhythm. good. At, but it, yeah. but it, I I think they used to. I think it's not just that, that people today. It's not that people today couldn't do it. I think yeah. they just that was the way they were directed was to have yeah. this rhythm and timing with the way they spoke. And I think they really rehearsed their lines. Yeah. And they hit it like the way you do in a play. Like they, they there's a yeah. the part where they're going to um, the manor and they're like casing the manor. Yeah. And they're walking around that front talking. I was listening to the the cadence of the way they talk to each other, and I was like, people don't do it. The only person you know who does that is Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino yeah. actually, I think, directs his people so much that you can hear that kind of banter and that kind of that there's almost and, like a a meter to to the way they talk. And also, also David Mamet, David Mamet's movies, okay, and David Mamet's what plays a, are like that. Oh, where, right. I saw uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is the Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Um, the Spanish Prisoner is a lot like that too. That. Uh, the Spanish okay. Prisoner is a fantastic movie. That's Anything with a good the, script. I really liked the script for um, L.A. Confidential. I thought it had a really yeah. good, um, like just the way everybody talks is like obviously they're hitting their marks like exactly where they're supposed to and stuff. I just love the way yeah. the sound of it is really good. Okay, should we continue with the synopsis? This is taking uh, <laughs> taking way too long. So I'll, yeah, 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 yeah. So, Let's continue. So so essentially, so then, um, what is how, oh because her mother has diamonds, which by the way in the old days had three syllables, and I think that's hilarious. Diamonds. diamonds i think we diamonds. should bring that back i think we should start referring to them as diamonds again but then uh grace kelly or, or francis frankie's character realizes that cary grant is not his because uh, he was telling them he was an american from oregon and lying about his purpose in the french riviera he said he was right. there he's like a builder and he's there for like real estate or something like that but it, yeah. but she she uh, realizes that he's this famous jewel thief. I've got a nitpick. I've got a nitpick about that part. He says he's a lumberman, right? Yeah. And then and then she's like, "Can you name three deciduous trees in, in the state of Oregon?" And I'm like, "No, that's you don't get lumber from deciduous trees in the Pacific Northwest. It's usually conifers, isn't it? Spruce and cedar and things like that." Anyway. Yeah. But, so he would have to know which trees not to get lumber from. He'd be like, true. not that That's one. That's true. Not that one, right? <laughs> well, I think you. I mean, I think he wouldn't turn up his nose at the lumber of deciduous trees, but I feel like it would be more likely to be. Maybe, maybe, maybe Frankie's or Francis is really smart, and that was a trick question. Oh yeah, he would be true. like, she, you know, she is supposed to be smart. Did yeah. you? Um, so you've seen it before, so you're not really. You weren't really. I remember the whole time, nothing. I remember I was nothing of it. Like though I was twist. very surprised. I, I was trying to figure out who my suspect was the whole time. Yeah. Right. I so, shouldn't say I was. I shouldn't say I was surprised. I was. Nothing was really that familiar to me. But I was like suspecting. So I never really thought of that. Cary Grant's character was going to end up being the burglar. For some reason, I was yeah. just. I just took the character at his word. But I thought of. Um, I thought she was going to turn out to be the burglar. I thought that's where we were going. There was the a chance time. of that. Yeah, I thought so too. Because there was kind of like the way they were talking to each other, and then there's one point where he grabs her arm. And she's like, oh, you have the grip you need to be a burglar. And then later in the movie, like she grabs his arm and he kind of like looks at her. And I was like, oh, it's like a yeah. clue that she has the grip to be a burglar, too. But that wasn't I don't know if that was a purposeful uh, red herring or whether. One thing that I thought was well done in the movie. I mean, I thought a lot was well done. But one thing that I thought was was good is, you know, she initially meets Cary Grant and she really like comes on to him right she kisses him like when yeah. they're going and i remember th watching that and being like that's a little like she would just be like hey i think this guy's attractive i'm gonna i'm gonna kiss him right that seemed a little weird but then when you realize that she already knew that he was john roby you did realize she, that where did yeah, we, where, she did know yeah because she said all those things uh you know when she was going through um you know how she knew that he wasn't really who he said he was it was clear right. that that first night she knew he wasn't the lumberman but did she know he was john roby though i, th I think so i think okay. so okay yeah. i wasn't and sure so, about that and so that explains that because i remember watching that part and being like this is kind of unrealistic like she just meets some random guy yeah and you know she's instantly in love with him but it's really she's trying to get some excitement in her extremely you know boring life that's as a, another as a rich thing. heiress that's another thing that i thought made the movie fit into the hitchcock 
I don't want to use the word oof, but it's what I'm, it's the use word the, that's on the you, tip of my tongue. Do it. Use the so, word oof. Into the Hitchcock oof. It, it fits in because it's like, she's a woman who's like looking for like kind of a kinky thrill by like getting yeah. involved with like a burglar. And I was like, that's kind of his thing. So every, every movie has like somebody with some kind of, I guess, essentially like a mental illness. I mean, there's psycho, there's vertigo. I don't know about North by Northwest. But usually that's sort of a theme in his movies is somebody's got some kind of a um like a, like an issue like that yeah that he's kind of building around i was thinking that's that was that was one part where i was like okay there i can see his work there but otherwise this one's kind of just like a pretty light it's a pretty light kind of comedic i don't know if comedic's yeah. the right word but can we talk about what can we talk about what surprised me or is that done is that done at the end no, no, go, for it, go for it go for it well oh, we because... already i mean we've already put the cart in front of the horse and shot it in the head already <laughs> so we might as well I think I think the thing that most surprised me was how unlike typical Hitchcock it is. Right. Like how yeah. how easygoing and how kind of you know I mean Hitchcock always has kind of a sense of humor, um, even though sometimes mm -hmm. it's very very dark. But this was more like in a way it was almost like a like a popcorn movie, right? It had like yeah. you know the these romantic leads. It had you know it had some action, but like you said, there wasn't a ton of suspense mm -hmm. the part no. that really um and we still haven't finished the synopsis so make sure to just edit me in <laughs> saying no when uh when you ask if i want to do the synopsis well anyway um, so i mean how would we finish it up so so basically um they set up like a trap for the thief um so that yeah. they can reveal the thief i wasn't sure why the mother and the tax guy and the insurance guy needed to be involved in that plan it seemed like for some reason, yeah. they were critical to the plan, but I didn't understand the plan. Why did they need to be there? I don't know. Nothing, nothing else to <laughs> do that week. Uh, but it, se it seemed like a like a heist, you know, like they're keep, putting together keep in this mind, Keep in mind, beforehand, beforehand, right, they think they've found and killed the jewel thief. Right. Who's Danielle's dad. And right. so then they have the funeral for Danielle's dad. And Danielle's like furious at at Cary Grant and right. Cary Grant like slaps her and you know kind of deserts his his former gang because the would, former like, gangs are the people they used to are... do stuff like that in movies back in the day you'd have like a man slap a woman in a movie yeah. and that would be I don't think I mean that would just be like a deal breaker it would not that would not be the lead of the movie anymore if you did yeah. that that would be like the bad guy yeah. and they used to do stuff like that even up until like the 70s you see movies where people do stuff like that and it's like I don't know if that was just a movie. I thought the, I thought the slap whether... was. I thought the slap was kind of unwarranted too, because she's yelling that, you know, her father you know, her father's death was due to John Roby, which is like, not entirely untrue, right? His father yeah. got kind of caught up in. Also, in... like he kind of let people get away with stuff at their parents' funeral. Maybe, maybe don't go around smacking people. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah you know, exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, if somebody acts like a knucklehead at their at their yeah. at their father's funeral, like give them a pass. You know, like, <laughs> yes, smack them next week. What, about why did you Why you know? did you slap that woman? Well, it was her dad's funeral, and she took the last coconut shrimp, and like I didn't get any. And it's like, well, you know, maybe give them a maybe, little bit of benefit maybe. of the doubt. It's a pretty bad day for them, right? But yes, yeah, so so at the we... end. At the end, oh, right, they set right. up a trap. The they, the they set up a trap that's part right. of this huge costume ball, and there's nothing. There. So I was think. So I was thinking about this. Do you think there's anybody, like from the last twenty years, that has that kind of, and not just somebody who has a different kind of star power, but is there somebody that has that kind of like just glamour and like? I was looking at her. I was trying to think. Could anybody look the way she does, or like act the way she does, or anything? Is there anybody like that today? And you know, it really is not just the directing. I, I you know, no. I'll definitely give you the no. directing is great. You know, she just has this magnetism, and mm -hmm. and Cary Grant similarly has like a magnetism. Like they, they, he totally does. Hold, he totally they does, really yeah. hold the scene, which is mm -hmm. something that I think is. I think when people talk about like the golden age of Hollywood, that's really mm -hmm. what they're talking about. They're talking about people like you know, Vivian Lee in, in Gone with the Wind. I, I mean, you could you could shoot the, the movie, you could shoot a scene and have her like in the lower left-hand corner. And there's just something about the way she like carries herself, the way she delivers her lines that just, or just you mean draws you, could, you to her. Or you mean you could like make a movie that, I don't know, glorified the antebellum South and put Vivian Lee in it and people would still watch it today because she's that good. Like it's yeah, completely yeah. inappropriate movie for today's mores <laughs> and like customs, but people still watch it because she was that good. 
she, yeah. she was that good i mean i don't know if it's just the sort of when things are old they seem better you know like to some extent they've got a lot more you know they just carry a lot more weight like things from the golden days of, of hollywood like but there's there's a couple of actors like 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 i watched um once upon a time in hollywood right yeah and i was like it, it's it, it's it's okay it's a pretty good movie overall but i was just watching brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio for like two hours and I yeah. was just like, I just meant more Brad Pitt, really, more more him. I was just kind of watching him. I was just like, I could just watch him all day. Like, he's just got that kind of charisma. It's kind of like a a self-assuredness, too, right? That's kind of like... Yeah, I think that's know, a big part of it. Cary Grant is really has that, right, where he kind of like, he mm-hmm. just kind of owns a scene. He owns, you know, his part of a dialogue or something. Actually, young Harrison Ford. I used to just watch yeah. everything Harrison Ford was in. You could just watch him. He was just cool. Just a cool guy. Cary Grant is, I mean, he's what? In his 50s in this movie. Yeah. And they cast yeah. him as like, that's what, oh, what you were talking about where um, she's kind of going after him. Yeah. And I think that that's one of my, it's a pet peeve I have in movies and things is when you have a guy who's, you know, he's like a charismatic, he's a good movie star and stuff like that, but he's a little past his prime in terms of being like attractive to women. Yeah. And they like, they have to hit you over the head with like oh this guy's really attractive to women they have to like yeah. tell you because it's not really and i think that's kind of how i was reading it is i was like yeah there's no way 26 year old grace kelly would be chasing around a 51 year old Cary grant i mean he was it, very i mean his his you know his dialogue with her he was very like charismatic with her when he took her to that early bird breakfast and the and the mall walk right <laughs> i didn't realize you were going into a joke there that's great um (laughs) i I was like literally trying to remember it's like the early bird what (laughs) i was like what are you talking yeah i mean then they watched matlock they've watched matlock for three hours and exactly it was a little awkward when one of the tennis balls fell off of his walker (laughs) it was it was weird you know, I don't think it was as much of a trope back then. So I don't, I don't know if Hitchcock was a, intentionally subverting it. I like how, you know, Grace Kelly is really into him, but then later on you find out that's because she thinks he's this jewel thief and that's why she's so. Yeah. That makes right. way it's more not sense. Just, I like that like, a lot better. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not like she's like, Oh, I'm, I'm really into this guy who is just a, a lumber guy from Oregon. Right right it's a lot more believable it's a lot more believable that a mid-20s young woman would be interested in like a guy who has some kind of interesting thing about him that that makes sense and she's obviously she's obviously just crucially bored in her life she's so bored and she's looking for this which is totally why i thought she was going to be the jewel thief i thought that's where they were going with it because she was just like bored and like but then but then i started thinking about i was like why would she know is that all she's not from there you know it would have to be somebody french so then my other suspect was pull-up guy remember pull-up oh, guy? yeah pull-up guy he was actually part of the gang i think in some he's part of the gang but i don't know was the entire gang doing the robbery i, I thought know. it was just i thought it was just danielle and her father i think it's just danielle yeah or i guess his father her father too yeah. Yeah. but he had a wooden leg so he couldn't actually yeah. be a cat burglar you know what we haven't talked about is what are we drinking and why well we're drinking actually this is this is a good uh, kind of theme in that the mother grace kelly's mother in the in the movie is constantly asking for bourbon i think one reason is because a bourbon is sort of just like a very quintessentially american drink right it's it is it is isn't it yeah, yeah. i mean it's and, and, actually and, it's actually kind of like champagne i think it actually has to be exactly it has to be bourbon, from so, yeah. which is kind of funny because like there are all these things like you know burgundy champagne you know and bourbon, is, and bourbon is a french name um yeah so definitely so so we chose um we chose Woodford Reserve mm-hmm. because I just finished a bottle of that not too long ago and did not mind going out and buying a new one. So, and you yeah. said you had some, which is the Kentucky bourbon. That's about all I know to intelligently say about it, but it's a good one and I like it. So, well, but actually the comparison, I think the comparison is interesting because right. There are all these French, French drinks that are very name specific. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think bourbon is, I can't think of another name of a drink that's name specific for some place in America. I mean, obviously right? there and are, there's, there's are, like there, are Napa, there are Napa wines, but they're just other, they're just things you can get other way. Otherwise they're the grapes you can get in other places. Yeah. They're, yeah like the, in there's other more, words, Napa is not the name of a do you know, wine. Do you know what is like, do you know what is like, and it's, it's not American, but it is from this region, from my region is tequila. Tequila has to be from a certain region in order to be yeah. called tequila yeah. and mezcal also. 
Yeah. That's the only thing I could think of that's like that. We just don't have a really deep, sophisticated food culture in this country. Like, I think people have only in the last 50 years started caring yeah. about making like quality things like that. Like, we're just, you know, we're sort of new, you know, we're just not that sophisticated yet. So, we, but we do have bourbon. I mean, that is a thing. So, yeah. That is like a world, a piece of world cuisine, basically. But even like, even like, you know, Tennessee whiskey or something, that's kind of a, an, right. a thing that's added on to whiskey. And whiskey obviously doesn't have to be from, you know, any whiskey. Place in there's a rule. There's a rule about um, the spelling, the K Y versus K E Y. And I'm forgetting it now. All oh, of a really? So only a certain kind can be called whiskey with a K Y. And then there's um, Canadian. There's rules in Canada about. I don't know. I'm getting all mixed up about rye whiskey and Canadian whiskey. There's a whole thing there too. Okay. So there are some things in the Americas, but not much. But not as no. not as obvious as, as bourbon. Right. right. There's nothing like you know. No. Canadian no, that's bourbon a really, or something. That's a like really that. clear one, and people really do drink it quite a bit. Like it's definitely like a. Yeah. It's. I think it's probably. It might be my favorite spirit. Uh, yeah, the only fantastic. thing that would come. The only thing that would come close is scotch. So in terms of just like putting it in a glass and drinking it, I, I just don't do that with like vodka or tequila or anything like that so yeah i actually noticed a couple of stylistic things about the movie um, all right shoot what do, you, what do you got and i noticed that as the movie you know if you think about kind of being a cat burglar or kind of the appeal kind of what carrie grant's character and you know later the copycat uh, did kind of one of the appeals of it is it like all happens in shadow it all happens in the dark and as the movie went on it got more shadowed more dark right there's a thing right at the beginning where it shows like the cat and it shows like you know things being stolen but then right. the first half of the movie is all like in very bright daylight and then as the movie goes on it gets darker and darker but it gets in, that kind of dark that they do in 50s movies where you can tell it's not really dark they just put like a yeah. green filter on things but I, yeah. I forgot about movies like that. I used to watch a lot of old like war movies and stuff with my dad, like um, Bridge on the River Kwai. There's like a there's like a whole sequence where they're attacking a bridge at night, and it's obviously not really night in the shot. But yeah. it, it like I can't suspend my disbelief when I'm watching well, that. Well, it's because the cameras needed so much light, right? I mean, they can't. I, th I think nowadays they can film in lower light. Actually, that movie, oh, yeah, Bar that yeah. movie Barry Lyndon, um, we were talking about Stanley Kubrick actually got new lenses invented so he could shoot in candlelight if you think, i was gonna say because there's that there's that scene where they have that candlelit dinner but there's but there's an amazing scene um where you know where they're watching the fireworks yeah they're watching the fireworks are those a metaphor for something um are those like a really heavy-handed like euphemism for something because it's like they're sort of hooking up and like fireworks are going off. And I was like, is this movie, is this like what passed for <laughs> scandalous in these days in 1955? Like, <laughs> yeah, actually to be shown in theaters, they had to censor the fireworks right. thing because it's right. just too heavy handed a metaphor. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, too much. But there's an incredible shot in there where Grace Kelly like is talking to Cary Grant and her whole face is in shadow. Right. Like, do you remember okay. that she walks forward and you can see her, you know, she's dressed up. You can see her, her whole body, except for her face, which is completely in shadow. Huh. An incredible, incredible shot. That's pretty cool. Um, so that's one part, you know, what's so interesting. I thought about this movie is, as we said, it's not as, you know, it's not like one of these Hitchcock movies. That's a work of just absolute genius, like North by Northwest rear window. Right. And, and dial in for murder um you know you mentioned the kind of uh the dialogue being very play-like well mm -hmm. dial in for murder was it actually a play and that movie is oh, okay. really filmed like a play like it's like two adjoining rooms and essentially all the action takes place there sure. you're always you can only see one side one. of the room all the time you know what's cool is when hitchcock's more daring uh shots or cinematography um, mm -hmm. kind of shows up out of the blue another place this happens is when danielle's hanging off the roof like okay. it shows her slide down slide down and then she grabs the gutter and you uh -huh. see kind of her legs flailing behind her and it just struck me what a brilliant shot that was huh Where, it, if, what's the angle what's the because what i'm remembering is when he's up there and he's holding her hand yeah well there's no there's multiple angles on that because they show yeah. from kind of his right shoulder 
there's a there's a shot like that and then there's a shot that's um looking up at him yeah and they, they kind of pivot between the two i don't know when she first falls so when she first falls there's a, a, a there's a shot where you're looking down you know the the roof is to your left and you're looking down at where she would land if she were to fall right and okay. she's hanging out and her legs are kind of flailing um underneath her and that's such a just a powerful angle and a powerful shot because all the other shots before that were either the people on the ground who i don't know what was going on with french police in those days but i don't know if just <laughs> shooting at the people on the roof is 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 really okay right they're like they're i keep like, thinking i was thinking like Bobby, come down or we will shoot let's just start shooting <laughs> just shoot shoot right I mean, they're they're we, french they're french but they were raised in germany huh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we are French, we are French policemen. We must, we must shoot Kobe the cat burglar. I don't know why I was thinking about this today, but I was thinking, why in all of Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies, I keep, I, why does anybody ever just pause and suddenly go, wait, are, are you, why are you German? Like, we, this is a United <laughs> States Special Forces unit. Why are yeah. you German? Like, yeah, or like uh, kindergarten cop, like if the parents are talking to right. him and they're like, so what part of Austria are you from? Like, no one ever brings it up. No one ever brings it up, exactly. Right. It's if just you like, were, if you I'm, a, I'm a cop from New York. I'm here to watch your children. What? You don't sound like you're... What are you, it's cool. This is my Bronx accent. I have a very strong Bronx <laughs> accent. It's like... What? Did you uh, did you catch the uh, the Hitch, Hitchcock cameo? It's pretty easy in this one. Yeah, that's a pretty. This one's pretty, pretty obvious. Quick one. Yeah, I remember like looking for those when I was a kid. My dad had we watched Lifeboat, and my dad had to point that one out. Have you, have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. Uh, it's actually really good. It's like all takes place in a lifeboat, and it's actually really entertaining. Even when I was like a little kid, I watched it and was entertained by it. So it's pretty. It's a pretty good movie. But there's a bit where they've got a newspaper. And they're looking at a newspaper, and the guy in the picture on the newspaper is Hitchcock. That's where oh, his cameo wow. is in that one. So I think his cameo in North by Northwest is a little tougher. I think it's like he's a guy who misses a bus right at the beginning, okay. and it's it's pretty easy to miss. This one, the camera, right? The camera pans right over to him. I know. I was trying to. It was, it was very obvious. Right? Yeah, it really was. Well, he was like looking at the people on the bus with some kind of weird expression. No, he's like, just kind of staring off into no, space. No, I mean, Cary like, Grant. Cary Grant okay. kind of looks at the people on the bus and I was like, what is, what's the joke here? I don't get the joke. Is it? I didn't get it either. Yeah. It's, isn't it weird that Cary Grant's on the bus? You know, like he's not <laughs> Cary Grant. It's a movie. What do you, you know what I, you know what actually I thought was weird in this whole movie is they didn't use subtitles. I actually was thinking, is this I love my that. version? I love, I love that. that too. Yeah. But like most people don't speak French, you know, yeah. and it's not like I didn't understand every single thing people said, yeah. but I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that was kind of fun. What's that choice there? Like, what is that? Does it kind of put you in his place of sort of not understanding what's going on sometimes? Whose place? In, uh, in John, John Rowe, because he's American. Well, but so, he, I mean, he's lived, if you own a yeah. house in France, you probably speak French. And he, in fact, he does speak French, you know, in. He does. He does. But I was thinking, I was thinking it's kind of like me, like, like I speak French, like I can talk to people in French, but when people are talking to each other, I can sometimes just not know what they're talking about at all, you know? Yeah. And I was thinking maybe it's kind of trying to put you in his mind frame by doing that. Yeah. But there was that, there was that one joke when they're at dinner and she's like a service compris. And then she's like, oh, I have to pay the tip. Blah, blah. And the guy's just like laughing at her. And I was like, no one gets that joke unless, you know, like, so yeah, that okay. So Cary Grant is American, right? Yeah. Uh, and actually that's interesting because the backstory he gives the insurance guy, which is the only time he ever right. talks about his past, is that right. he was a fa in a family of trapeze artists. Right. Which Cary Grant really was. Which is true, right? I know. Which is I really, yeah. I thought that was really funny. So I, I thought I thought that was funny to put that in there because he he definitely seems like kind of a con man, and so you know what would be like the most outlandish con man thing mm -hmm. to make up? I was in a family of trapeze artists. We ran out of money in Europe, right. and yet but then that's, that's the, the part thing that's actually true. true about mm -hmm. Cary Grant. Maybe not true about John Roby. You know, like yeah, said, true. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's that's true. I didn't think of that. But yeah, he really wasn't so both him and Grace Kelly, though, they have that accent that like yeah. that that extinct, that <laughs> mid-Atlantic accent that yeah, oh, yeah Frazier, Frazier, the, Frazier. the last yeah. the last person in pop culture, I think, who had that accent. Yeah. And it was definitely played for like 
what a jackass this guy is that he talks like this. Like it was, it was not played as in like, yeah. it's super cool to talk that way. It was like, why do you have a British accent? It's like, what is going on there? It's also weird because it's also weird because in that show, Niles doesn't really have the same accent. I was just thinking that I actually gave him a British accent in my head. What did he sound like? Did he just sound like a normal he, American? You know, he over enunciates and, and stuff like that. And he, and he speaks very cleanly, yeah. but he doesn't have the same Fraser accent. It would be as incongruous as if it were Niles and then Arnold Schwarzenegger played Fraser, <laughs> and they never addressed it. <laughs> yeah, I was raised in Seattle. I must radio psychotherapist. And you're like, well, wait a second. Oh, okay. This was an interesting note. So, what what did, what did you watch the movie on? Like, what what's, what? Uh, do you have it on video, like on DVD, or did oh, you like? We watched on TV, but streaming from I think Paramount. See, okay, like that. that's another, that's actually another tangential note that I learned about, right? So I actually watched it on Amazon and Amazon gives little notes in the corner. Like when you yeah. put your mouse over things, you get little notes. And this is the only Hitchcock movie that was, is still owned by Paramount. And that's why it was on your Paramount streaming oh, wow. service. All that's the rest crazy. of them are owned by Universal and they're streamed like on a different service. But To Catch a Thief is the only one that's still on. Uh, okay, so while I was scanning over the little notes that they give you, yeah. So there's a bit there's a bit where he's talking about his cook at his house and how she killed she killed a germ she strangled a German to death. In the German version, when you watch the movie in German, it says that she killed a lion with her bare hands. <laughs> it just cuts that part out. <laughs> it's completely translated differently. So in the German version, like he in, talks in, to the he talks to the resist he talks to his like old crew and they're like yeah, we all helped with the resistance when France was invaded by lions. It's like, oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Really? It was just a bunch yeah, of lions weird. invaded we're, we're in the German version. They're like, yeah, we, we, we fought so hard to help the Nazis, but we lost. <laughs> it's just the worst. Well, this is really, there's really like an anti-German threat in this episode for some reason. Like, yeah, it's going off strange. on Arnold. And, uh, I'm very sorry to Germans. I really don't have anything against them. I, I, think, mean, other than, I mean, other than the Holocaust. You know? I think the <laughs> biggest. I, I think the biggest insult to Germans in this episode was my fake German accent. I don't think. I, I think oh, it's right, hard to insult. Right. insult them we we couldn't figure out why the French police had German accents. So yeah, the and technically amazing. Arnold is Arnold's Austrian rather than German. I imagine those accents sound the same in English, though, right? Wouldn't you I think, think Arnold's Arnold's accent is very different. I, it's never really sounded like a German accent to me. I guess maybe. I mean, definitely you can tell in German when somebody's Austrian versus German. There, there is yeah. there is a difference to it. But I was pretty cold blooded when he said he killed seventy two people, and I was expecting that to be like a but joke it, or something, like so, like dark. But, or something, but I like, mean, again, I can't I can't help. Is it but true? Think, right? Yeah, I can't help but think yeah. that he's an unreliable narrator because yeah. it all it starts it starts not only with the fact that he used to be a jewel thief, but it also starts with like, you know, him eluding the police. When you get that in right. your head is the first thing that a character is doing. I feel like it kind of sets it up that he's maybe not totally trustworthy. Right. Yeah. And you why know? does he evade them? I mean, I guess he just figures he's going to end up in prison because of his past and nobody's yeah. going to care. Well, what's, what's so. interesting is uh, that first uh, part where he evades the police that's kind of foreshadowing of the thing they do at the costume party, um, right? Because he's dressed up as the Moor, and then the other person dresses up the Moor. And, and when he, yeah, and when he evades the police, he has his housekeeper driving his car. Similar, it's a very similar thing, right? He gets everyone thinking that he's in one kind of sure, you know, he's in one costume, he's in one car or something. And so there's kind yeah. of a nice symmetry to that. I thought. What about that house? Like that's that's okay. Like I could I could retire into a house like that. Like in yeah, the south of France, nice. that would be. I guess we kind of have similar architecture here in the southwest because it's sort of Spanish. It's sort of similar yeah. to like southern France and stuff like that. So I was thinking that would kind of fit with like the way they build houses here. Like it's a kind of open concept and it's got yeah. some adobe and some brick and just like just a really really cool looking house. It's like is it is it really adobe in the in his house? It looked kind of like it, right? It looked I felt like the interior similar. had adobe. Maybe not. Yeah. Though. It also could just but, be like a, a cheap way to build a set too, right? 
seems like that's like easier way an easier way than like mahogany walls uh, or something like that yeah yeah it's um yeah the adobe thing is not all it's cracked up to be to be perfectly honest it's not an amazing building material like it's con you, con you constantly have problems with it like cracks in it water yeah getting in like like i said that. when we were in santa fe it's constantly needs updates right your, yeah your, your adobe, adobe is constantly needs updates your, your adobe is constantly like do you need to update your adobe it's like oh <laughs> Adobe. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So here's one. You like you, you're like kind of a film guy. You know more about like the shots and stuff like that than I do. I mean, so not necessarily. This... I just kind of know what effect what what resonates with me, right? Well, but you might um, have an idea how they did this. Like at the beginning of the movie, I think it's right at the beginning when he evades the police, mm -hmm. and they're driving along the coast, and there is what can only be an aerial shot. It's got to be. It's got to be driving a helicopter. I was thinking about that. Did they have, just... in 1955? They barely had helicopters. Right, like there were no helicopters in World War II. I mean, II. how else could you have done it? I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I was watching it. Yeah. It's like that. It's like I mean, that opening shot. You, done you know, in The Shining, when they're driving up to the up to the Overlook, and they're going along the road. Oh up, yeah, up yeah. In the Colorado mountains, it was the same thing, except yeah. twenty years before that. So I was like, how do they get that shot? It, it's got to be a helicopter. Yeah. But it must have been so expensive in the fifty, in the early fifties. I mean, you know, it's well. I think I think Hitchcock, when he made this movie, had probably a lot of like capital you know, behind so, yeah. him, and a lot of like you know the, the studios kind of just wanting him. So you know, maybe it was a kind of thing where he's like, you know, you want me to do this, you have to provide this. Like, so he had kind of a mid-career lull, right? Like he had a, a bunch, a couple of big movies in the thirties and forties because he yeah. had like the Thirty-Nine Steps in the thirties, and then like won an Academy Award for Rebecca. Yeah, and I think there's a couple more in the '40s, and I think the late '40s to early '50s, there's not as much Hitchcock as there was. And then yeah. he's got like I think what most people consider to be his really great movies are starting in like you know from about 1958 to 1965, right? Like Rear Window and North by Northwest. I don't know when Psycho. Psycho, I want to say 1961, 1960, something like that. I think it was four. I'm not, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm always yeah. I don't really the know chronology but, of things. But I think he's kind of at like a lull a little bit almost when he made this one. Yeah. Um, and, and I read some of the um, reviews of the movie and it's a lot of negativity. It's a lot of like, oh, this doesn't especially, have to suspense, Especially when you know? it came out, right? I mean, it's always interesting to have a director who's so known for a particular style kind of try something a touch different, right? Like, uh -huh. I don't even know if I saw this entire movie, but David Lynch has this one movie that like has no weird things in it, right? It's just about the guy <laughs> yeah. who, like, who like rides his lawnmower somewhere called The Straight Story. The Lawnmower Man? No, that's different. <laughs> but it's just like, it's just a movie without any of the David Lynch weirdness and just trying to tell a basic story about something. And so it's kind yeah, yeah. of interesting to have a director that <laughs> is so well-known do something different. Like if M. Night, yeah. M. Night Shyamalan did a movie that like didn't have a twist at the end, you'd be like, what did I miss yeah. a part of the movie or something? Yeah. yeah. Or didn't suck. No, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a big surprise at this stage in his career. Yeah. It, I, I'm thinking about him because he's, there's not that many like sort of auteur directors these days, you know, yeah. like that you really just, they put a stamp on their films and you're like, this is one of this guy's movies, you know, like I did, I Tar did like, Tarantino. I did like, like the six, I did like the six sense. I, I sure. Yeah. That, I love yeah. that. Yeah. But, but then it seemed like he kind of tried to keep doing that. He kind of yep. tried to keep doing the same thing where it's like, now that what's the twist now, what's the twist now? Right. It's like, no, there can't be, Do you know, apparently the village is like a cult movie that people love. Really? And I, I saw that and I was like, it's okay. Like, I, I mean, I didn't hate it. It's not like one of my least favorite of his movies, which I can't even remember what I saw that I really didn't think much of, but there's been a couple. Um, there's the one that's like the, the ending of the trilogy. That's like, I think it's just called glass or something where it's those three. Oh, yeah. It's split unbreakable and then glass. I didn't see that. Was that good? Um, I, I did not. I, did I heard not split like was it. good. It was, that, yeah. I, w I wasn't crazy about them. I, mean, I can see I can, how people can like them. Listeners, I can see Jay's face right now. Split <laughs> sucks. Like, I'm just like, I'm looking at Jay's face. You may not be able to tell from his voice, but Split is terrible. It's a piece, it's a, just a dog poop movie. Like, just, just terrible. So the, the look on your face is like you're trying to get through. Like, if I had walked in here and I'd suggested we were going to watch episode nine all night just back to back without stopping i'm trying to be i'm trying to be nicer about kind of like judgment yeah. on artistic things because i'm trying to in general understand when some people can like yeah. what i think what you're seeing is that 
I did not enjoy Split at all, but I can see, <laughs> I can see how someone could like it. So I don't yeah. want to say like I don't want to say like this is a dumb movie. You know, Anyone this is really this movie is I, dumb. This is really awkward because James McElroy is actually sitting right next to me. Right. Um, no, he was very he was very good in it. I just felt like you know like any movie that kind of relies on one thing. I don't. Yeah, you're saying like you're trying to be nicer about like creative things, and it's like I have to say from the experience of like writing a book, I definitely yeah. am like it's really hard to do this stuff. Like it's really yeah. hard to like write a book, do it, make a movie, something like that. Like, so in that sense, I'd be nicer about it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that's your I job. Mean, You're getting you out know. of, out of something like making, writing a book, making an album, painting something. I think making a movie is by far the hardest hmm. because there's so much logistical, there's so much yeah, logistical true. stuff. And there's a, there's a famous acceptance speech by Kubrick where he's accepting something by a satellite because he never, you know, he never went back to the U.S. after moving to the U.K. Really? Yeah, he, yeah, he was, even though he had a pilot's license, he was, like, afraid of flying. He never flew. I cannot get, I can, I cannot get Scorsese's picture out of my head. That's who I think you're talking about in my mind. I know they're completely different people. What is, I can't think of what Kubrick looks like. Maybe it's because he doesn't like, he, he's like a he's like a beard, you know. Very I can picture kind of Roman like, Polanski. I can picture Scorsese. I just watched the documentary with Scorsese not too long ago. He was doing this acceptance acceptance speech, and he said uh, he said famously, you know, yeah. But he uh, so he said that you know making a mo- making a good movie is like trying to write War and Peace on a typewriter in the bumper cars at an amusement park, <laughs> which I think. Yeah. You know, because the thing is, like, say you're, but yes, I I mean, so say you're writing a book, say you're writing a novel, right? Mm -hmm. And you need to make something happen. You're like, okay, I'll just make this thing happen, right? It's obviously, it can be difficult to describe it. It could be difficult to work it in with the plot. But say you're, you know, say you're Hitchcock and you're making To Catch a Thief. And this isn't the case with, with To Catch a Thief. But to make the movie work, you need that aerial shot. You know, and you hear all these stories about movies being ruined by like they have fantastic scripts, ruined by editing, ruined by directing, ruined by a storm. I was just telling you how I wrote a book, and I was thinking you what you were like, I want to read it. And I'm like, well, right now I'm actually rewriting the opening. And I was like, if that was a movie, like I finished the I finished the book like more than a year ago. If it was a movie, how could I get everybody back together to like reshoot their, their famous, the opening of the film? You know, there like are famous never things happened. like that with Fatal Attraction. They got everyone back together to reshoot, right? Huh. The original ending to Fatal Attraction, which is more in line with Glenn Close, that's more in line with her pathology, is she kills herself and frames Michael Douglas. Yeah. And that's the that end of the movie. Better. And the test audiences hated, hated it so much. They brought everyone back together. <laughs> to reshoot the ending. Did you know they killed Lando at the end of Return of the Jedi originally? And really? then showed it and then showed it to the audience and everybody was like, "No, that sucks. Don't kill Lando." So they went back and reshot it. But they left in and I always wondered that when I was a kid they left in the part where Han Solo is like watching the Millennium Falcon and he's like, "I just get this feeling like I'm never going to see her again." You know, and it's like, "Well, because yeah. he was having a premonition and then Lando dies in the original version." But yeah. I was like, now, now I remember I was thinking like, oh, they're trying to make the point that like normal people don't have the force. And he's just dumb. Like, <laughs> like, his, like his intuitions don't mean anything. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. I, I mean, if you think about how much stuff that has to go into a movie, it's just, it's just incredible that any movies ever get made. It's a lot of work and it's super expensive. That's another thing is that like, it doesn't cost anything to write a book. I mean, it does in terms yeah. of like, I don't know, opportunity cost and your time, yeah, time and stuff like and that, stuff. but it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't actually cost anything. Not really. That's okay. also the thing that is like so tragic about a bad movie is like, if there's a bad book, it's like, you know, one, one jerk wrote this right. book and it was, it was just bad. <laughs> have, you, have you ever heard, have you ever heard Pat Oswalt's bit about deathbed, the bed that eats people? <laughs> no, no. And he's like, it's like a movie, you know, like it got filmed. Like it's like a, an hour and a half long movie, a, a yeah. horror movie about a bed that, that is possessed by Satan and kills people. Okay. And he was like, he was like, this is the tragic thing about like a bad movie is that like somebody had to show up at six in the morning and set up the craft services table for yeah. this movie to be filmed. And like all these people worked on this for like a month yeah. and they produced deathbed, the bed that eats people. Like, yeah. So, and, it, yeah. and it's, yeah. I mean, if you look at the credits, all the people that are involved 
Uh-huh. Right. Hun- hundreds usually hundreds of yeah, people hundreds like an avengers an avengers movie we were we were looking at i think it might have been a thousand people involved in yeah movie. it was tough yeah, so so many people involved and then you know when we got out of college do you remember you were like you could get out of college as a math major and go into like actuarial math and like make good money like right out of college yeah i was thinking like i feel like you're not that's definitely not your kind of thing right and because I, I remember that conversation but there's a part where where the, the insurance guy is talking about how insurance is like gambling. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, it's not. Like they don't, they don't just hope that your house doesn't burn down. <laughs> like they, they like have all kinds of like actuarial tables and stuff so that they set their prices. Right. Right. I mean, it, is that, am I just wrong about that? <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, to be fair, you don't know if the guy was a good insurance guy. That's right. <laughs> right. Like yeah. that yeah. same character, he could have been a doctor and he could have been like, isn't right. it crazy? Being a doctor is just like gambling. You don't know how anything works. And they're like, wait, he's <laughs> a really bad doctor. Like, is that, that's not how the yeah, actually, I think that's medicine why, is. That's probably why he was freaking out so much about the jewelry getting stolen. Yeah. Because when there's a cap order, he's probably like, I probably should have charged more on your premium for this. Like, I'm going to owe you like twelve, like twelve, twelve $12,000 and I won't be charging 50 cents a month. That was probably a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. He really needs to hire some actuaries instead of just eyeballing things just and being like, uh, $50. Well, anyway, so um, this is, I think this is probably about the time on, on the toasting the classics where we ask the question, are we toasting this classic? So I'm the one who picked it. It's up to you whether we're toasting this classic. Well, do you do you want to uh, do you want to give me supporting evidence for? Do you want do you want to want to hear my hear my arguments? Yeah. Um. So as a Hitchcock movie, this one would be like the fifth or sixth one that I would give to somebody. Right now, he's a really good director. It's kind of like you said, Kubrick. A bunch of Kubrick's movies, I think, could be considered classics. I don't think you only get like one or two per director. Yeah. But. I think what really stands out here is, the, is these two actors getting together, Grace Kelly yeah. and Cary Grant, just working together. I don't want to say Cary Grant's like at the top of his game, but he's pretty, he's really good and he's very charming in this. And Grace Kelly's just like we said, just kind of a force of nature. Um, yeah. So the combination of those three, Hitchcock's direction and Cary Grant and Grace Kelly, I think it's probably the best argument for the film. Like, I think it's, I think it's, I think people would watch it today and it would still be a classic. Um, I think, I think also it's a good point in like, you know, we're approaching it with such an expectation of what it means to be a Hitchcock movie. I think people did then too. Yeah. For, but from, in, from a, what in, a way, reviews, yeah. in a way, like why not approach it as a movie feature, you know, you, well, I guess, except for that one scene at the beginning, you never see Hitchcock. Right. right? So right. it's like, why even attach that to the, why not just look at it as mm-hmm. a movie apart from this without any expectations as to like, oh, you know, there's going to be, you know, a, oh. a ton of suspense or something like that. Do you know, right? do you know what I didn't mention actually that I meant to mention that one of the best things I think about this movie is the scenery. Like oh just, yeah. Just absolutely. the, just the shots of the South of France. And I was thinking, it's weird because I was thinking about it and uh, I just watched I don't know, several months ago, the whole family, we sat down and we watched Shane, which mm. is filmed in the Grand Tetons. And like the Grand Tetons are like a character in the movie. Like it's really yeah. like striking. And it's the same guy. It's a, it's a compl- complicated production title, but I can't remember what it is. But anyway, it's the same guy who's choosing all the shots for these two movies. Like, so that's like when you notice that the scenery is, is very prominently featured, it's, that's not an accident. You know, it's actually very interesting and is kind of, I, th- I mean, I don't know a ton of like, you know, I didn't go to film school or anything. So I don't know a ton about like how these directors, you know, how their processes work. But something that's very similar about Hitchcock and Kubrick, uh, mm-hmm. at least what it seems like to me is that they're both just crazy about every infinitesimal little bit of the shot. And mm-hmm. one way you can see this is, is Hitchcock is constantly going to sound stages rather than shooting on location. So Mm. even when they have, I don't know what it's called, like that little platform out in the sea. I was wondering that because there's a shot from behind and you can see it. And it really is, it really is in the sea. But then whenever they have the close-up dialogue, it's very clearly a green screen and a sound stage. I I was literally having the same thought because I was watching the water and the water wasn't moving like seawater. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, this was shot in a soundstage, and then they cut away, and you could see the beach. I was like, "Well, wait a minute. What? Yeah, maybe it it must 
is it just a calm day? And well, yeah, I don't it's know. very, it's, weird. it's very obvious why they do it, you know, and you know, for the oh, car, yeah. cause they can't, you know, just put the, the camera oh, yeah, I on love the those. car. I love so. those old school shows. You know, again, not to bring up Tarantino again, but he's the only person I've seen do that in modern movies. Yeah. Where there are people in Pulp Fiction, they're in the car and it's obviously like a fake background behind them. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's just a callback to classic films. But like, I yeah. thought that was kind of funny. And uh, that's definitely when they're driving, you can see like, she does yeah. a pretty good job of actually seeming to look at the road every now and then, which is kind yeah. of nice because sometimes in classic movies, they'll like turn around and talk, you know, with the, one thing that drives me crazy is when they like, and they do this on sitcoms a lot, when they move the wheel too much. Too much, like if yeah. You, if you yeah, think yeah, about yeah, driving yeah. on like a fairly straight road, you know, you move the wheel a little and they're just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I guess in audio you can't see it. So I'll say like, you know, 45 degrees to the right, 45 yeah, degrees. Subtitle, subtitles, Jay is moving his hands around quite a bit. He, he started out <laughs> yeah. not moving them much and now he's moving them a lot. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. That's the cliff notes. But uh, another place where Hitchcock does this, because we kept bringing, and it's, it's, it's interesting that we can't discuss this without bringing up other Hitchcock movies. Cause that's how it right. kind of works when you're dealing with the directors. Uh, is there like Ooh. a pretentious French word I can use? Oh, yeah, I think there is. Uh, yeah. Okay. But, I, I believe, I believe the other pretentious French word that comes to mind is douche. <laughs> <laughs> well, shower. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but another place where Hitchcock does this, do you remember the scene? I mean, it's a very famous scene in North by Northwest where that bus drops off Cary Grant in the middle of nowhere and he just walks along the road and then a, the, that plane tries yeah. to like, tries to get him. Um, so that long shot, probably over a minute of Cary Grant just walking along a deserted road, uh -huh. that's green screened. Weird. And I, I remember watching it and being like, why does he need to, cause you can find a deserted road. You can, and yeah. it's not like Cary Grant's running and it's, it's complicated. You know, you can just put the camera on a dolly I think that's what yeah. it's called and just and just yeah, move yeah, it at movie, the same yeah. speed. And I think it really is because Hitchcock was so fanatical about details that the things that you can't control in a shot like that, he would just much rather do it on a soundstage. And you can actually see Cary Grant like fake walking because he's not, you know, he's not actually moving on the soundstage. Oh, wait, they didn't even let him move? Oh, I got to watch that again. Well, no, I, because I, he can't, if he actually walked towards you from the green screen, it would cause a... So they didn't even use a dolly like in a, in a I don't, stage. I don't think so. Okay. I think he's like That's fake. Odd, yeah. If I remember correctly, I think he's like walking in place. So yeah, I oh, think right. I think we should definitely toast it. I think it's. You think it, we should it, toast it? It's All right. Really, I, I think it's a really fun. It's a really fun movie. It's. Oh, you know what I think this movie? Yeah, I think this. I don't know if this is true. I don't know if it created this genre, but there's mm -hmm. a genre of like classy crime movie in Europe. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's like a bunch of these kind of movies like over the years. So there's like some James Bond. There's a little bit of elements of that. Yeah. Oh, they, you know, I actually read Ian Fleming based James Bond on Cary Grant. Really? He just well, based and, him and on like, like the cool, spy. cool fact. He, he, he yeah, based yeah, it yeah. on like some real spy. Well, he had, I think he had like real experience in the Secret Service, but like the cool factor of James Bond, he was sort of channeling Cary Grant, yeah. just the way he talked and acted and stuff like yeah. that. So, but anyway, so we are toasting it. Yes, I think we should uh, definitely toast it. Um, we can't really, we can't really get a uh, a cheersing noise. Did you actually drink any bourbon? I didn't. Did you get? Yeah. Any? Oh, there you go. All right. Okay, I can hear yours. Yeah. So okay. could you hear mine? Was mine yes. audible? Yeah. Okay. Good. So. Um, I think that's just about it for for this week on toasting the classics. Um, unless you have anything else to add, any more uh, pithy yeah, observations? Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say. Or one thing, long winded, is... long winded synopsis, uh, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Every single detail and every line. Actually, when I said by, by synopsis, what I mean is, could you please reenact the movie line <laughs> by line? So I think that's that's it for toasting the classics this week. I'll say one. Th I'll say one thing, which is okay. that I, that I wanted right. to add, which is you know we talked a lot about the golden age of Hollywood, um, mm. or, or we mentioned it a couple of times, and we, we kind of talked about it as a vehicle uh, for you know these these stars in a certain way that the stars in the movie sort of carried themselves and 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 their charisma, but I think also the golden age of Hollywood deals with the watchability and the enjoyment of a movie because, you know, going to a movie used to be a very social thing, right? You would go in this, you know, huge movie house and this movie was kind of, you know, it was fun, right? It's part sure. of that, yeah. part of that sort of thing where you want a movie to be a fun experience. And I think that's another thing that's kind of so left out have, from discussing the golden age of Hollywood. Is so you we want have this, here, 
here in Las Cruces, there's a there's a movie theater downtown. It's an old theater, but there's like a local group that just puts on old movies there. And yeah. I have had the best time. Like we went there. And I mean, when I say old movies, I mean, some of them are genuinely old. But we've also gone to see like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jaws. Oh, and it's just great. like going to see those movies with like a crowd. We saw Casablanca there. Oh, and fantastic. Like, you know, they're, they're like really good entertaining movies. They're not like, they're not like serious art house type movies. They're like, but they're, but they're very good movies and going to watch them with like a crowd is so much fun. Like I just, yeah. I've taken, I've taken Alex a bunch of times and it's just like, what a great experience. I'm really looking forward to that starting back up again. Yeah. And so you so can imagine this movie kind of as yeah. a similar, as a Definitely. similar thing, right? It has like, you know, it has a romantic storyline. It has suspense. It has the, the, the scene, right. the cinematography that you were talking about, the setting. And mm -hmm. it's just, it kind of has a lot. But if you were going to, so let's say you were this theater I'm talking about mm -hmm. and you were going to do one Hitchcock movie. If you're just going to be like, I just want to show you what this guy does, what would you pick? It wouldn't be this, right? This would definitely not be like, well, the it's not, it one. doesn't really represent Hitchcock. What, um, what other movies is Grace Kelly in of his? Rear Window. She's fantastic in Rear Window. She's okay, so yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah, she's really good in that. And then is she in Vertigo? No, that's Kim Novak. Oh, yeah, it's Kim Novak, right? That's right. Uh, she's in. I think she's in Dial M for Murder as well. I think well, she's I the wife. Seen that. The maybe, wife maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I couldn't think of it. Um, but anyway, so um, if, I think we. I think we're out of things to say, right? Yes. Okay, so that's the. I think it's going to bring it to the end of Toasted Classics for this week. Um, Jay, thanks for coming on. I think I forgot to thank you last time, which is uh, that's, completely that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but thanks for coming on again, and uh, we'll hope to see you again soon, sometime. Peace out, yeah. everybody. All right. Thanks. That's it for episode 21 of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, hang on to that sweet white wine for next week when we'll be talking about Spartacus. I promise that's what we're going to do next time. If you'd like to get in touch, please send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, comments, complaints, and your list of the top three Hitchcock movies. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at atractivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classic.